opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Housing Wire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the Housing Wire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. In today's episode, Housing Wire Digital Media Manager Alcina Lloyd joins Housing Wire Managing Editor James Kleiman to discuss the biggest topics coming across Housing Wire's news desk. In this episode, the pair review Loan Depot's latest earnings report following the lender's recent IPO and examine what the rise of brokerage compass could mean for the market going forward. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. Good morning, everyone. We're here again for Housing Wire's Monday Morning Cup of Coffee, which is a segment of Housing Wire's daily podcast that examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the Housing Wire newsroom. My name is Alcina Lloyd, and I'm Housing Wire's Digital Media Manager. Today, I'm joined with Housing Wire's Managing Editor, James Kleiman. Thanks for joining us today, James. Thanks, Alcina, as always. Of course. All right. So listeners, um, thanks for joining us on Facebook Live. Today, we'll be discussing the hottest topics that came across our news desk this and last week. Uh, James, what stories caught your eye last week specifically? So most of you probably already know that our, our team is based in Dallas and, and we have people in Austin and, and other places as well, but, but pretty much everybody got wallops last week. And so, um, you know, it was a, it was a really difficult week for the newsroom. Um, and I'm really proud of all the work that we were able to get done, despite a lot of people not having power. Uh, Alcina, you still don't have water, so it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so we, we still did manage to cover the news, which is our calling, of course. Uh, so one, one story that I, I thought was really interesting is uh, Loan Depot came out with their earnings report and uh, a subsequent call. And I, I think that was on the days went together, but I wanna say Thursday. And um, a few interesting things about that. The first is, they, they cleared over $2 billion in profits last year, which is 
I mean, geez, if it were any other year, you know, people would, would be in the streets with, it would be a parade float coming by. Um, it's, it's really just eye-popping numbers. Um, but what's most interesting is the margins um, are starting to fall. And so for the year, they averaged something like, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I think it was like 4.18, uh, 418 bips um, for the year, but it's starting to drop a little bit. It's now in the threes. And, and part of that is look like, you know, they're, they're, they're a public company now. They spent a lot of money on, on marketing and trying to, to build up their, their presence globally speaking. And that costs money. And the second, of course, is when you originate that many loans, you got to pay, you know, like this isn't a free business. It, it costs them on average, you know, across the average IMB around $7,000 to originate a loan. And so the more loans they originate, the more fees they have to pay. Um, it, it costs money to make money, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's all happening. And notably the refi business is starting to fall, fading a little bit. You know, I, I don't think anyone's out there saying that, uh, that refis are dead and, and dusted and, and we're just moving on to a full purchase market or anything like that, but, but it's slipping, you know, and, um, and I think Loan Depot, a retail focused shop is, is going to be susceptible to that. And so investors are a little bit wary of companies that are, are very, very, very refi heavy these days. Um, Loan Depot would be among that, um, that list. And so um, it's something to watch for, for sure. But, you know, all in all, $2 billion in originations, uh, I'm sorry, $2 billion in profits, you know, record originations, they, they record revenue, they had an incredible year. And, um, and their stock has been really wild too. You know, it's been all over the place. It was originally going to debut with like 19 to 20 a share, 21. And then, and then at the last minute, just as what happened in 2015, they said, no, 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 wait, <laughs> let's wait, let's wait. And then they finally come out with another one. They downsized significantly. You know, they really didn't raise much at all, I think in the initial day. Um, and they priced it like 14 bucks, really, really, really low. Um, but that's gone back up as, as people see a lot of value in it. So it's been it's been a wild ride for Lone Depot over the last week, and um, it's it's going to be a fascinating 2021. So I just want to touch on a point that you mentioned about refinance is shrinking. What does that say about today's home buyer? Have we changed that much from last year, or what's going on there if refis are shrinking? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think a lot of it depends on who you ask. The, the consensus is among experts and observers. Uh, that there's still, I think, somewhere between like 16 and 18 million people who could shave. I think it's like 0.75% interest rate on their on their mortgage if they were to refinance right now. Um, there are a lot of people who are still eligible, but as rates continue to tick up, you know that that interest is going to wane. You know, you're, you're just kind of like you're you're creating a much smaller pie of people who would take advantage of that. And look, no, nobody ever thinks that, that all 16, 18 million people who are eligible, you know, would, would actually refinance. Um, but rates are going to take up. It seems inevitable. Um, and, and refis are basically all about, you know, it's a rate dependent um, business. And if, if let's say I got a new job, God forbid, you know, we wouldn't be colleagues anymore else in a, <laughs> maybe I'd have to move, right? And and yeah. I want to buy a house. Like, like it doesn't matter if like the interest rate is three or, th- or three and a half or four or four point two five. Like, I'm buying a house. Or, or mm-hmm. let's say I have a few kids. I have twins. You know, I need to buy a house, and <laughs> but I don't necessarily need to refine my mortgage just because it dropped. You know, like fifty bips or whatever. So, um, I I think that's kind of yeah you know, that that's a big 
part of it, which is you, you really need to reach, um, you know, the, the real estate agents, which are still commonly the referral networks. Um, they are the lifeblood of the purchase market. And, and if rates do tick up, say another 50 bips, you know, those 18 million suddenly becomes 13 million. And it's just, it just gets a lot harder for everybody to, uh, you know, to, to nail down that business. Um, but most people think by the third quarter, we're going to start to see, you know, a real slowdown. Um, but, you know, at this point, it's hard to say. Yeah. Well, we just got out of our news meeting and while our news huddle this morning and while uh, refinances and mortgage rates were some topics that came up as well, too. Uh, can you share with our listeners some of the topics we're also keeping an eye on this week? What is going to make news go crazy this week? <laughs> um, you, you never know in the news industry, which is kind of the beauty um, and, and uh, the challenge with it. But but. I can tell you already that we do have a few features that have been in the works for a while that are going to drop today, tomorrow, and, and I can talk a little bit about that. So um, you guys, I'm sure, have heard of a brokerage called Compass. If you are a real estate agent, you have either you know, shouted from the mountaintops how great Compass is, what a game changer, that this is going to revolutionize real estate, or just they gave you an incredible split and you're making more money than you used to. And so you know, why the heck not? Um, or you're a real estate agent at a different company and you think that it's just a bunch of nonsense and that this is an overvalued, um, overinflated company that basically bought market share and ultimately has created a business that is not sustainable. So we've got a story that I, I think is going to um, certainly generate conversation amongst real estate agents and brokers. And the story is, Compass just bought um, Wyla Dedman, which is kind of a little bit of a boutique firm based in Newport, Rhode Island. Beautiful town. If you haven't been, definitely check it out. It's really cool. A uh, little ritzy, but it's it's super nice. And, and the seafood there is fantastic. But that's an okay. aside. Uh, Compass <laughs> did not buy Lila Dedman for uh, its excellent quantity of shellfish and fish. Um, <laughs> but what they're getting is, is um, it's, it's bountiful. Look, they're getting 120 agents at Lila Dedman. Um, this is a firm that's done really well. Uh, locally, you know, people people want to transact with a player that they know that is part of the community. Um, they've been in business for, for decades. And um, from sources that I've spoken to, they didn't have to pay a lot of money to acquire this kind of firm. And, um, and, and Compass is really fascinating because Compass mostly grew by acquisitions, whether that being acquiring wholesale brokerages um, in, in New York, where I'm from, they, they picked up Sterling, uh, Stribling, excuse me. And uh, in California, they got Pacific Union and, and they, they grew by thousands and thousands of brokers. And in other markets, they just picked up, you know, tons of agents by offering incredible splits like 90, 95 to five or 10, um, in some cases, even more than that, which is, I mean, at that point, you're not creating a, a business, you're creating like a marketing enterprise at that stage. But anyway, we, we can we can talk about that another Monday morning. <laughs> Um, and so, so Compass is, is um, you know, they, they bought so much and then they kind of stopped, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, you guys are spending a ton of money. You're not profitable. What are your margins? How is this going to work? Eventually you'll need to go public, right? You know, because how else are the investors going to make their money back? You know, if you're running a low margin business like brokerage, um, you got to figure out a way to replenish that kind of money. And, and so then, then you hear, okay, Compass is going public and people think. Well, that surely means that they're gonna, you know, not not be spending crazy amounts of money um, on everything. Um, 
And that was true for a little bit. You know, we, we heard that even in local, locally in New York, that they, they had this incredible, um, in their office, they had this like amazing snack bar, like <laughs> wonderful snack bar. And I hear that the snack bar is not as wonderful these days. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, cross-cutting, but like, look, every business has to do this. Yeah. This is just, this is how the industry operates more healthily. And, um, and so the acquisitions also stopped for a while. Part of it is because they pretty much picked up every big firm that they could. Um, there just aren't a lot of big independent brokerages out there that Compass would be you know, willing to spend the kind of money to acquire. Um, and a lot of people just don't want to join Compass. You know, they, they see them as a threat to kind of the, the more traditional agent platform and, and really um, kind of the local experience of being with a brokerage that, that has been in the community for, you know, 50, 100 years, right? So, so they, they have kind of like a, a natural list of um, <laughs> difficult conditions to meet. But, but so the fact that they just picked up Lila Deadman in Rhode Island and then also in New York, um, they picked up Bolt. I don't know if they're probably not really known outside of New York, but they're um, they're known for doing like a lot of big luxury rental apartments in New York, you know, like the kind of thing where, where you would have to sell an organ to afford, um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then a year later, your, your rent goes up. So, you know, too bad you don't have a kidney, but, um, yeah, you know, they, they also have about 120 agents. Um, they're, they're a very well-known firm locally in New York. And so that gives them a, a bigger presence in new development. And in New York, you know, brokerage is like, we, we could have an entire crazy conversation about the brokerage business in New York, which is fascinating and weird and, and kooky and, um, and difficult and, and full of rage and hate and clothing. Mm -hmm. um, love it. And, but anyway, um, Compass is, you know, that they, they haven't really done as well as some of the bigger entrenched powers on new developments, you know, these big flashy new buildings where they charge, you know, massive amounts of money for either a rental or, or you know, like a new condo or whatever. Um, and they, they just haven't really done as well as a Douglas Elliman or Corcoran. And so the fact that they're spending the money to get bold um, and, and maybe they got a better price because maybe you've heard the New York City rental game is not as great as it once was. Yes. Or depending on your perspective, it's way better, right? Mm -hmm. So where can um, our readers or listeners find this article? Is it gonna be HWP plus or is it gonna be just a, a regular article on the site? Yeah, so the Compass story on Lila Deadman that went up this morning, maybe an hour ago, uh, that is an HW Plus story. So uh, if you want to hear about what Compass has been up to, what they're thinking, what what kind of, um, you know, deal, what, what this represents um, to the brokerage world um, and to Compass uh, and, and what it means going forward, you, you got to subscribe to HW Plus. And so yes. um, you, you can always hit me up and I'll be happy to give you a little bit of a discount, but um, mm -hmm. it's, it's worth it. It's, um, it's you know, reported. Yeah journalism that takes time and effort and money. And um, I, I can tell you that you'll know a lot more about Compass having read it. Yes, and for our listeners that don't know what HW Plus is, it's a premium membership service. We have all sorts of interesting things in there. We have podcasts, we have these exclusive articles that you probably won't get anywhere else. So that's a piece that I'll definitely be reading, James. And today, as we wrap, this is probably my biggest question, but as February comes to a close, what were some of the biggest and most prominent topics we focused on this month? There was so much going on. <laughs> Uh, man. Dun, dun, dun. That's, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is a stumper. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, certainly the rise of Compass, you know, even before we, we did this piece today on Lila Deadman, uh, Matthew Blake, who's, who's our senior real estate reporter, did a big story on, on Compass and, and kind of what it means um, for them to IPO. And um, it's, it's a really, really good story. And, and we don't know when they're going to go public, but all indications seem to be sometime this year. And um, 
you know, I, I think it's interesting if you, you look at Compass and you compare it to uh, Relogy, which is massive, much, much bigger than Compass. Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, again, massive, much bigger than Compass. Um, also kind of quasi publicly traded. Um, and, and you have to wonder, you know, what, what Compass could do to really take away market share from them, or are they going to be taking market share away from, you know, smaller, more independent players? You know, it's, it's, it's a big question. So I, I think the real estate world is definitely looking at that. They're also looking a lot at the iBuyers, you know, which, which may represent an existential threat to even a Compass or, or a Realogy, or, you know, they're, they're really starting to generate a lot of um, different lines of business that they had traditionally not um, been into that real estate agents didn't have to worry about. But now, you know, they, they have to ask themselves, am I going to be obsolete in 10 years? And I don't mean to sound hyperbolic, like, look, this kind of questions come up every 10 years anyway. Um, but I, I think, you know, the, the amount of money that's poured into all of the iBuyers and the SPACs and Zillow and, and Redfin and Open Door, um, the closer they get to the process, I, I think the more agents have to worry about kind of that mode around them and, um, you know, how, how deep that water is, how many alligators are there to, to keep the iBuyers out and, you know, the mortgage companies as well. So um, I, I think these are big subjects. We also did a really interesting look at um, lumber prices and not just about lumber prices, but um, lumber had a wild year, like a completely crazy year. And so, so Tim Glaze, who's a reporter at Housing Wire, uh, he basically did a piece that looks at, you know, what, what happens when lumber prices are really high and then you have, you know, the, these COVID related structural logistical problems, like how do you get lumber from, you know, the rail in Canada to mm -hmm. the Home Depot locally or to the, the home builders in Georgia or Texas or wherever. And, and what happens when, when there's a run on wood, basically? Uh, well, what it means is that all the other suppliers who have, you know, drywall and, you know, all kinds of other materials related to, to building residential homes, they raise their prices too. And then, so who gets stuck with that? You know, in, in a lot of cases, some home builders who, who had contractual obligations that they couldn't change things on, um, you know, they, they got screwed. But in a lot of cases, in most cases, home buyers or people who are renovating their kitchen or, or whatever, you know, they, they end up getting, getting the cost. And so, so as much as the piece looks back at 2020, which was a really, really interesting, weird year for, for everyone, but, but especially builders, um, is, uh, is, is what happens in 2021. You know, is the supply chain going to get better? We know we have a lot of vaccines here, at least in the U.S., not necessarily in Canada. Um, but but will, that, will that alleviate all the problems? Are people exploring other means, you know, instead of a wood floor, are they thinking about like poured concrete, for example, or you know, any number of other materials. So, so um, that, that's a little bit more of a forward-looking piece. So I, that was a favorite of mine, actually. And then, you know, we, we've done a lot of coverage on United Wholesale Mortgage. We've done a lot of coverage on, on these, you know, big IMBs that have gone public. And uh, there's certainly going to be a lot more of that coverage, but I, I think it's going to be more focused on what happens in a purchase environment. You know, they, they've done great when the refi business was hot, but Q3, is that, is that going to remain? All right. Well, those topics are something that I know that our audience is definitely interested in. With home building, it's going to be a number one or a top concern for a lot of people this year. And as more IPOs come to the market, I know our audience is very excited to hear more about that. Um, well, listeners, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to another live recording of Monday Morning Coffee. I'd like to thank James for joining us today. 
Um, I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you back here next Monday. And until then, you can check us out on Housing Wire Daily. Uh, you won't want to miss out on all the planned amazing interviews that we have this week. Thanks again, James. Thanks. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.